Ever feel like you're doing this teaching thing alone? You don't have to be. Share Teaching is all about sharing the workload through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Together, we'll walk through all the difficult parts of teaching and learn how to streamline our processes, fine-tune our time management, and develop a more manageable workload. If that sounds like a dream come true to you, then welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast. Let's share in the teaching to make those dreams a reality. Now here's today's Shared Teaching. Welcome back to the Shared Teaching Podcast. I'm Susan, and you are listening to episode number 18, where we are going to be talking about preparing for the next school year. Now, I know it might seem a little bit early because it's only about mid-April, maybe a little earlier than mid-April, but the end of the year tends to go by really quickly. You've got classroom celebrations, you have state testing, and all those little odds and ends to wrap up, cleaning up your classroom. The, The end goes by so quick. I feel like every week also goes by very quick. And if you think about only having one prep once a day or maybe even just a few times throughout the week, then you really have to utilize that time pretty smartly because not only are you planning for the current weeks, but you're trying to think ahead and get a little bit ahead. So today I'm just going to go through some of my thoughts about what I need to do to prepare for my next year. And I had this podcast episode in mind because today I actually started planning for my next school year and preparing some copies. So I thought, you know, that would be a good time to talk about it with you and just share my thinking so you can also get a little bit of a head start. So I am a pretty good planner. I love to plan. I like buying planners. Paper planners are my favorite. I plan. And one of the ways I do that when I think about the next year is I think about my routines and my systems. And these are key in my classroom. I have the same format of many of my lessons and many of my, I don't know, subjects, I guess you would say. So for example, when I'm testing sight words, my sight word program is very consistent. It's the same throughout the entire year. So students know exactly what to expect. The only thing that's changing out are the words and the list that the students are on. So that's always kind of free flowing. It can change from week to week and they're different groups. So it's doesn't seem boring to the students because that is changing. So if you want to hear a little bit more about my sight word program, I talked about it in episode number 11, which was virtual sight word assessments. And so I kind of went over a little bit about how I do sight words in my classroom. And this year I've turned it virtual because I'm the distance learning teacher at my school. And I did the same process last year, actually, before we ever knew COVID happened I was like trying it out. I've done it for years in my own classroom, but I had created it into a sellable product. And so I was kind of tweaking that and having the kids learn that. First, I want to talk about thoughts on next year. So I know we're all kind of panicking now that some of us have seen students in person or in hybrid, and we know they are low. And there's not much to be done with it with just less than, I think it's 
for myself, I think I have 34, maybe 33 days of school left. So there's not a whole lot of progress you can make in that time. You can still start to make some, but then of course you have the summer slide. And then they've kind of had a year slide if you think about it, because it's been a full year now and they're just now getting back into the classroom with the teacher in front of them, holding them accountable. So we are already expecting students to be a little bit lower than we're used to. And so I'm trying to plan for that as I'm planning. I also know that next year, centers are going to be a major necessity in my classroom because that's the only way I'm getting in that differentiation that these students are going to really need. You can't push the high and push and support the low if you don't have plans in place for differentiation. So thinking about that now will kind of bring you ahead of the game when next year rolls around. You're not going to be scrambling to find materials and things. I am planning with next year, also thinking about the grouping that I'm going to have. And when I'm thinking about their needs and knowing I'm going to have to teach primarily in, in small group settings, I'm thinking about transitioning maybe to a guided math model. Now, I don't use it currently. I tried it years ago. And it was sort of a failure in my classroom. It was when it was just first starting to be heard about. I think there was maybe one, two at the most books published on the subject. I mean, we're talking well over, uh, I hate to date myself, maybe, i say more than 10 years ago. Yeah, about there. So over 10 years ago, I tried guided math. And it probably existed before then, but that's where it started becoming more popular and you you would hear it more just in the blog world, amongst other teacher groups. So I tried guided math. It was a lot of planning, a lot of preparation, and I just couldn't keep up with it. And I think that was like maybe my second, possibly third year of teaching. So it was a struggle. But there are some amazing products on Teachers Pay Teachers that are not mine. I am not a math person, so you will not see me creating those. (laughs) So people like Reagan Tunstall, I know she has a really good guided math program out. It is pricier, but it might be worth it. So I do also know that I'm getting a new math program, new math curriculum next year with my school which is one I've used in the past, which is Envision. And I know I've, there's a lot of polarizing thoughts <laughs> on people that like this curriculum, hate this curriculum. When I used it in the past, I actually really loved it. I was teaching in a very poor, um, low socioeconomic area with completely um, 100% free and reduced lunch students across the entire school. And Envision worked really well with them. It was engaging. It provided what they needed. I just liked it a lot. So I'm hoping it stayed relatively the same because that is what I used to then kind of create my guided math based on using the same curriculum. If I can get an early look at the curriculum for math, I'm going to kind of plan that out and see how I can teach that in more of a small group rather than a whole group setting. And so those are my main takeaways for next year is just what can I plan to be differentiated, taught in small groups? So for this, I look at the standards. And when you look at the standards and you kind of view them as like that 
living document that goes from kindergarten on up. You can see what they were supposed to know and what they're knowing now and then what they're going to know in the future. So using that, you can kind of plan a continuum. So let's say you're teaching shapes. You're going to look at what the Common Core says for kindergarten shapes. You're going to look at what it says for your current grade level. You're going to look at the grade level ahead of you. And you're going to kind of plan to make sure you have activities that kind of hit all of those. Because if the student tests out, so this is why I like guided math. You can pre-test them. If they test out of that particular topic, then they don't need to spend all that time learning it, right? They can just do maybe the accelerated enrichment activities. And most curriculums will provide this for you. So you don't have to think, oh my goodness, what another thing I have to find somewhere? Most curriculums will tell you in there an on-level and above-level and a below level, so whatever they want to call it. But usually it's in your curriculum. And I know it used to be in Envision. Like I said, I haven't seen it in many years, so I don't know if that still holds true, but fingers crossed it does. And then that will give me my enrichment pieces for the kids that pre-test out of that topic. And it will also give me activities for the lower students that need that extra support. So the other thing is looking at easier things like the 120 chart. So again, my first few years of teaching, I had a co-teacher that was on a different grade level, but I still consider her a co-teacher because we were very friendly. We talked a lot about what she was doing in her classroom. And at the time, I taught first and she taught second. And she did these packets that she actually got from her daughter's school, and she kind of swiped them to use in her own classroom. And this was kind of pre-TPT days, right? So it wasn't like you could go buy something, you had to go to the teaching store and buy like a book that you would photocopy later. You didn't buy digital downloads <laughs> that you could print out. So she had these packets of 100 charts. And if a student passed the, the blank 100 chart, they got, you know, the next group of 200. And then they just kept going until they were like in the club of 1,000. So she had a variety of different hundreds charts that she required them to fill out. Some of them in the beginning was just missing a few numbers, and then the next one got a little bit harder and missed a few more numbers until you got to that blank one, and then they had to fill in the blank one. And she was kind of a stickler like me, so she's like, if you erased numbers and you could tell your thinking wasn't quite, you know, you didn't like really, really know it, she would say, you're not there yet. And she would give them another blank one, and they would keep trying until they passed. And the kids actually really liked it. And it's something that's super simple to do. It's a skill that they definitely need. So I know, again, Reagan Tunstall, she has some math centers for the year. And one of them is Number Sense. And in that Number Sense, she has the 1200 Club, is what she calls hers. And so like the kids get like a little checklist. And so as they pass each of the charts, they can check it off. So the first chart I think is zero to 100. Next chart is like 101 to 200. And it continues that way until she gets to the 1200. So I tried this last year with my students and it was going really well. And then, you know, COVID hit. But I want, I'm excited to try it again. So I know for the beginning of the school year, I'm already going to use that. So I'm going to photocopy a class set of the first 
blank chart because you don't know where they're going to land until you test them on that first one. And then you can kind of gauge how many copies you need after that. So at least having that first set is ready. And that's an easy activity like, oh, you finished your math early, work on your 1200 club. So I love having things like that in my back pocket that's really easy for the students. So again, the centers are gonna be my absolute necessity for next year. And so I'm gonna have word study because we are also being asked to incorporate words their way. So I'm gonna have my word study program. I'm gonna use it in conjunction with my sight word spelling program. So they're going to be getting five sight words to practice. And then depending on words their way, I haven't looked at it in so long, they might get between five and 10 words, probably just five and five, to be honest. They're second graders. So beginning of the year, they might just get 10 words they have to practice. I, I haven't really sat down and solidified that yet, so don't hold me to it. <laughs> but they're going to have a word study that they just kind of work through at their own pace, at their level. Sight words is the same exact way. And then I'm also going to have addition and subtraction. So kind of like a little addition subtraction club, right? So you're practicing maybe addition of, um, through fives and then addition through ten. And you just kind of work your way up the ladder, passing each of those. And I'm going to do like the little one-minute fluency half pages. So they're just going to have those to practice. And then once they pass addition, then they get subtraction. So that's just also an easy way to push those students to keep learning, to keep practicing those same skills. So I'll have that in play, and I'll have my word study, and I'll have my sight words. So those are all kind of filler activities, but they can also be a rotation in a center. So for instance, last year when I was in person, and I talked about this before, they had flashcard buddies, and so at the end of every day, when it was pack up and dismissal time, we would pack up, and then we would do five minutes sight word practice. And I changed the activity each day, but it always had something to do with them getting together with their flashcard buddy, and they would read and practice their sight words in some capacity for five minutes. And when you only have between five and 10 words, that five minutes can seem pretty long, but it's such a good amount of time for them to have enough time for both of the students to practice their words. So they know they have to get right down to it. There's no wasted time. So I'm also going to continue incorporating that, which means I have to make sure my flashcards get copied and ready to go. So I started that today. So they have sight word booklets. So I looked at what we have currently for the number of first graders in our school and I kind of added a few for next year for second grade because you know you always have kids move into the school or in the middle of the school years kids move away you get new students so they're averaging between like 18 and 20 students in a first grade classroom so I went ahead and made sets of 25 and then I'm just going to keep that number handy for myself so I know when I get my roster in August that that's how many copies I have and if I need to do a few extra copies it's not as big a deal as making these class sets of like stapled books and all those extra photocopies when everyone else is at the photocopier. So the other thing we want to talk about is easy prep materials. So the easy prep materials are those things like addition and subtraction work. Maybe you're finding some uh, fluency time tests that they can work on. 
And I know people have different ideas about time tests, but I feel like you get results from them. Are they memorizing them? Absolutely. But don't you want them to be quick and get them to be automatic? I mean, that's how I learned my multiplication um, flashcards, right? Like I learned them by memorizing and that's how I know them today. So it works for some kids. It's not going to work for all of them, but that's what your small group tables for for later. So I'm going to have those things and then things like parent letters that I know I send home every year. So I know I'm going to send home the letter that introduces my sight word spelling program. So I already set aside and I made 25 copies of those. I know that I'm going to need the checklist that tell me what list each student is on for the sight words. So I made a class set of those. And then I know I'm going to make photocopies of the parent guides for second grade so the parents can see what are the skills that Common Core requires your student to have. And I would make a photocopy of those. So those are actually in my Teachers Pay Teachers store. I have them for kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. They're um, parent guide two, and then it says whatever the grade level is. So I will link that in my show notes. And if you go to the blog post episode connecting to this podcast, it is shareteaching.com forward slash podcast. And you're looking for episode 18 and it will be in the notes on the website there. So you can see it very easily. Okay. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about is using volunteers. Now I know it's been very, very hard to get volunteers into the school. At least for me, it has been, they haven't cleared outside personnel to come into the schools yet. It's just employees and people within the district employees. So I've actually contacted a parent that says how much she misses volunteering, and she's actually going to swing by the school and pick up a packet that I'm preparing that she's then going to go home and laminate, cut, staple all the things, and then bring it back to me. So don't be afraid to reach out to some parents that have expressed interest in volunteering in the past to see if they're available to do things like that because I need like I said booklets stapled I need what else I need lots of things laminated so speaking of laminating this is the other thing that I'm prepping now so as I'm thinking about next year I'm also thinking about just in case we still have to have a hybrid or a distance learning capacity, I'm planning things that I know will work for both because I don't want to spend all of this time early planning and preparing and then have something happen at before next school year starts and then we're back in the same boat again. So what's worked really well for me this year is my math materials. So I talked about those in episode 13, which was teaching math virtually. And what I did was 120 chart laminated, and then the back of it is blank. And that's what I call their whiteboard. Now, at my last school, they gave me a class set of like heavy duty whiteboards, but unfortunately, this school, I do not have any materials like that. So, for next year's students, I'm gonna do the same exact thing. I'm gonna do a class set of 25 pre laminated 120 math number charts 
and then we will use those. And I use whiteboards daily for many, many activities. So just having that extra on the back for them to use as the whiteboard is like a little bonus because they're going to need the 120 chart anyway. Why not laminate it? Then they're using it all year. So that's going to get printed on cardstock and it's going to get laminated. I'm going to send it with my parent volunteer to laminate it. So excited she's going to do that for me and I'm going to get it done. Easy, breezy, quickly, and takes a load off my plate. I'm also doing my little half sheets of the student math mats. So I'm going to make sure I have a class set of those. So again, those are on cardstock and laminated because I want them heavy duty because we use them all throughout the year. And those go with my math warm-ups. So those aren't a product I have. Those are just things that I come up with off the top of my head. So for instance, filling out the 10 more, 10 less, one more, one less charts. We have those. And I'll just randomly ask kids, okay, you give me a number one one through nine okay you give me a number for one through nine okay our number today is and then I go through the process of how to fill out that chart so just something really quick that I use as a math warm-up before I jump into my lesson that kind of reviews some what I feel are like some of the most important skills the place value the time the number lines addition subtraction number bonds all of that. Anyway, that is what I'm doing for next year. That's how I'm preparing to get ahead is I'm just thinking of those things that will take a little bit load off my plate for when back to school starts. So what do I need at the beginning of the school year that I use all the time? Or what do I need that's going to last me all school year that I can start prepping now? So like my sight word booklets, they're good for all year. So I just made a class set of each of them. There's five of them total. And even if I don't use them, I know that I will have them for the following year because I've used them so often for years to come. And then maybe one year I have like 30 kids and oh look, last year I have five extra copies. So now I have my set of 30. So you never know. Plus kids might lose theirs. It gets destroyed in their deaths. I mean, you've seen how kids treat things. <laughs> so it's always nice to have a few extra copies on hand too. Those are my planning thoughts. And I would love to hear how you are preparing for the next year. Any thoughts about how you're going to differentiate things, any things that you commonly use that you're going to use again for next year that you want to start copying this year, maybe give us an idea of what they are so that we can think ahead to plan them as well. Which reminds me about my writing folders. So every year I use a writing folder and inside the writing folder I print using my home printer in color copy, which I know not everyone likes to do, but I do do HP ink and that gives me $10 a month. I think it's like 300 color copies, so I don't mind copying 20 pages for the kids. I pay for it anyway. It, it doesn't bother me, but I know some people it does bother and I don't have access to a color copier at school. So anyway, I print their um, alphabet chart, their blends, their digraphs, and those go in their writing folders. So that's another thing that I want to make sure that I have printed, ready to go, and then I just slide them in page protectors in the beginning of a plastic three-prong folder. All right, so I hope that really helped you out and you found some really good advice and information in this episode. Stay tuned for next week and I will see you then. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching. Hitting that subscribe button.
and leaving us a review on iTunes so we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on shareteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast. Like, I think it's called the, I think it's very similar. I think it's also like the, no, it's this, so, wait, so, so, I don't know why I said all that. So I already know next year is going to be a little bit rough, which is fine. Um, I love centers. Centers is my jam. 